Hello and welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook. Every two weeks, experts from AMBOSS, the medical education platform, interview medical students and healthcare professionals to showcase international perspectives on everything in medical school and beyond the textbook. Hello and welcome to the AMBOSS podcast, Beyond the Textbook. I'm your host, Dr. Tanner Schrank, along with Sophie Neal. And today we're thrilled to bring you an inspiring conversation with Dr. Philip Shelloff, neurologist and co-founder of Naira Health, the innovative digital neurotherapy startup based out of Vienna, Austria. Dr. Shelloff's journey from being a dedicated medical student to a pioneering health tech entrepreneur is an exciting tale. Today, he'll be sharing insights on his journey in medicine and the motivation behind starting a digital platform for neurological patients. But before we get to the interview, here's your AMBOSS QBank question of the day. Stay tuned until the end to find out the answer, along with a medical fun fact and a book recommendation. A 73-year-old man is brought to the emergency department 30 minutes after the sudden onset of right-sided body weakness. His wife reports that he does not seem to understand simple questions. He has type 2 diabetes mellitus and has smoked one pack of cigarettes a day for 45 years. The patient speaks fluently, but he answers questions with nonsensical phrases and cannot repeat single words. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? A. Broca aphasia B. Conduction aphasia C. Transcortical motor aphasia D. Global aphasia E. Wernicke aphasia F. Transcortical sensory aphasia or G. Anomic aphasia We'll get the answer to that at the end of the episode. And now for our interview. Dr. Philip, welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here. Thanks a lot for having me. To start off with, could you tell us a little bit more about your journey in medicine and what led you to start a digital therapy platform for neurological patients? Yeah, thank you very much. I think I was always fascinated by understanding the logic behind things. So I guess this led me to study medicine in the first place because yeah, I simply wanted to understand how the body works. And, you know, if you know that, then of course you start learning the logic behind why some things don't work. Also, my, my next step to specializing in urology was also quite clear because the base of how the, the brain and the nervous system work is pure logic. And of course, it's a little more complicated than that. But, you know, as a doctor, you can always try to break it down to, to logic. And yeah, this is just what I love about it. Like if you suffer a stroke in one specific area of the brain, you'll have these specific deficits that come from the loss of the, of the neurons from that area. And that's what you need to find out when you're diagnosing patients. So this is what I really liked from the start. And in the core, and neurology is also pattern recognition, especially as a young doctor, you need to, to learn and then see a lot of cases in order to, to be able to understand what the next patient might have. And I think this is also why AI-based therapy tools fascinated me. And I'm, I'm, I'm super happy that now I can really work in that field also. That makes a lot of sense that all of that sort of lined up and led you to start this company using AI to help these patients. That's really cool. Yeah, was there anything specific, you know, if you look back to your medical training in Austria, was there anything specific or, or surprising 
that you learned in med school that might have given you inspiration for what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing I learned was right after med school, and that is that you know nothing after med school. Like, I, I think I was quite a good student, but still you learn so much in the first few days and weeks in the clinic when you're suddenly no longer a student and, and have to take responsibility. And that feels much more than everything you learned at med school. So I think everyone scared of the first night shift to think, well, am I ready? The answer is no, probably not, but that's, that's normal. But in med school, what I really learned was that you can basically just email most clinics, no matter where they are, and ask if they have a spot for internship in a department you want. And if they do, you might just get it. And so for medical students, it's super easy to make internships abroad. For most countries, there are no applications or interviews necessary. So I think the reason is simply because most medical students are the same, know the same, and the clinics are just happy if they are or they get motivated students to fill the spots. And I think as a student, you can really exploit that a lot. And I, I also did. I absolutely agree with that. People should try to broaden the horizons however they can, especially by getting out of the country, getting out of their comfort zone. Yeah, and, and I was just really surprised how easy it is to get these internships. Like I did them, like I'm from Austria, so I did them in, in Germany, but also in South Africa and, and, and even on the Bahamas. And I think yeah, students should really take advantage of how easy it is to do internships internationally. I think it's much easier than for business students, for example. Now turning to Naira Health, this digital healthcare startup that you began, what has been the biggest challenge you faced in starting and scaling up this company? Yeah, very good question. One is building something with a high scientific standard, because that was one of the most important goals that we had, the most important aspect that we wanted to consider when, when starting our health. And from early on, we conducted our own research. We also present our data at international congresses, like the, the World Congress of Neurohabilitation or the European Congress in Lyon. And this is and was always crucial for us because we have to do it and we want to do it and we want to prove that what we're doing has the effect. And at the same time, we are developing cutting edge technology. So it was always about finding the balance between the rigor and slow steps of scientific research while keeping up with the fast-paced nature of the tech industry. And I think our commitment to this approach, although it is challenging from time to time, has been super vital in creating the, the products that we have so that they are not only innovative, but also, you know, rooted in a solid scientific evidence. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You would have to do this rigorous work to kind of make it from scratch instead of just taking for granted what the AI is giving you, especially when you're using it for such, you know, high stakes things like working in medicine. Absolutely. Absolutely. On a technical and on a scientific level. And this is just what you need when you or your product should be in use by patients every day. And there's a lot of regulatory tasks to be done in that context. This can also be quite painful from time to time, but this is, as you say, super important to, to also have the trust in your product and have your patients have trust in your products. I think that that is very important. Yeah, I think that is very commendable that you 
putting the patient's best interest first, even if it requires you to do some extra work. Now, going back to the beginning of founding this company, what led you and your co-founders to focus specifically on digital neurotherapy? I think that the decision to focus on digital neurotherapy came from the point of view I had when working in a neurological clinic. I just saw that so many patients in the clinics lacked the needed intensity in, in the neuro rehab. Because for an effective therapy, you just need two things, a very high intense therapy, a few hours per week that you really have to do, especially in the fields that, that we cover, speech and, and cognition. And the second one is individual therapy and content. So really that's the therapy exercises the patients do are tailored to the specific deficits and the rehab progress that the individual patient is in. So we realized that the vast potential that technology has in improving neurologic care for the patients, but also for the clinic and the therapeutic team can be done by the way we imagine that a modern neurotherapy should look like. And yeah, that's why we started and realized that the thing that we're building can actually really improve the current status quo for the clinics, for the therapy team, for the patients, and make the therapy in this digital way widely available and also more personalized at the same time. It's so great to hear that you take a tailored approach to this to really get at what therapy each individual patient needs, because you are seeing the patients as individual people, right? With their own specific needs and therapies, instead of just trying to make something that works for everyone. Exactly. And that's especially important in, in neurology, where you have so many different deficits and the various diseases, especially in, in speech and cognition. And technology now is able to really be super helpful. We're at a point where this is possible. So this was also something that kept us motivating from day one on. So we've talked a little bit about what your work is with neurological therapies and speech language pathology and using AI and these digital tools to help patients. But maybe we should go back to basics and say exactly what it is Naira Health has set out to do. Well, the primary outcome we're striving for is to help patients to get the maximum out of their personal real potential. And that means supporting clinical teams to have the best tools to provide therapy and to give patients the right tools to be cared for even after discharge from the hospital. So that means really providing them with tools that are not only easy to use, but also scientifically grounded that are with them along every step of the patient journey, because we aim to create a holistic approach where technology can support traditional therapies and offering more intense and individualist therapy plans at the same time. And how does AI play a role in Naira Health's neurological patient therapy? And what potential do you see in enhancing other health services? AI plays a significant role in what we do. And we're also publishing our AI results. Mario, who is my co-founder here, or CTO, and Laurin, another machine learning researcher here at Naira Health, they presented a paper on our speech analysis capabilities at Interspeech in Dublin. That's one of the biggest conferences in that sector. And the feedback was phenomenal. And what we use intelligent algorithms for in the MyDeha app, this is, this is the name of our therapy platform, is to really customize 
therapy content and exercises to each and every patient and his or her personal neurological deficits. And so we offer a huge evidence-based exercise catalog and every patient gets his own personal therapy plan that is constantly and automatically adapting to the individual needs and, and progresses. And we do that, for example, with an intelligent speech analysis that is not only detecting if a patient's head was correct or wrong, because that wouldn't be enough in neurology as there are multiple different speech impairments, but it is detecting what exactly is the pathological speech pattern behind what the person says down to the phoneme level of the word. So the smallest part of what you can say. And the same with cognitive biomarkers. And with information like this and intelligent algorithms, we can perfectly provide exactly the correct exercises and the perfect level of difficulty of these exercises for the individual patient and the situation he or she's in. And yeah, we're, we're currently in, in over 40 clinics at the moment. And we see how greatly we can improve the therapy sessions there. So this is yeah something that makes us very happy and gives us also the confidence that the AI approach, especially in neurology, is of great benefit. That's very, very impressive that it's also tailored to each individual patient. That's amazing. Yeah, this is the core of why we started. We really wanted to give each and every patient in the field of neurology tailored exercises, tailored therapy content, because that's just the only way that you can really get everyone to really make the most out of the real potential there is. Yeah. Wow, this really sounds like sci-fi. Like this is cutting edge digital technology here having a robot listen to your speech and identifying something that you might not even be able to catch yourself or doctors can't catch. This is pretty impressive stuff. So on this cutting edge of digital therapy, looking to the future of healthcare, what excites you the most right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm very excited about the area of digital therapy, not only in neurology, because for the first time, digital tools start to be more than just gadgets. The technology is finally at the point where we can really benefit greatly from them. And I think especially for doctors, for therapy teams, these tools are evolving into reliable instruments that can enhance patient care and outcomes of your treatment in various ways. And I feel like we're in the middle of, you know, a transition from passive to active digital health tools. So tools that not only collect data, but also provide real-time feedback, personalized interventions. And I think this is super exciting, especially for a field like neurology, but also for others, for radiology, for example, because the integration of AI and machine learning is enabling us to really analyze huge amounts of high-quality data in ways that were previously unthinkable. And this will help us find the correct diagnosis earlier, address also health issues before they escalate, and treat diseases in a totally personal way. And that's really cool. I think that's really exciting times ahead. Also, access to high quality medical treatment will be much easier with that. So I'm sure a lot will change through these innovations, but given the strict regulatory framework also, I think this will be super beneficial for the way we as doctors can work in the future. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's really exciting to think about all the different data points that we're going to be able to collect. And people already are, you know, with their smartwatches. Every single medical data point that you could want is already being cataloged and stored somewhere. And so 
if you could leverage this and use it to try to track exactly what therapies people need or maybe diagnose issues before it even comes to light, this is really exciting stuff. Absolutely. And I think medicine is for sure something where you can really use this kind of technology for a great benefit for the patient and for, for the caregivers. And this is what makes it so exciting for me. And yeah, I can't wait to see what the next few years will have and bring because it still feels like this is just beginning and that's super exciting. Yeah, it's, it's evolving extremely rapidly, right? There's so many changes happening so, so fast. And as you said, in the field yeah. of healthcare, it's, it's really mind-blowing. And there's always some reservations and questions as well when it comes to using AI for anything because it has happened so quickly. And so what sorts of ethical challenges do you face with a for-profit healthcare company while being a medical professional? Yeah, that is a very important question. I mean, for me as a doctor, the most important ethical compass is science. So is what you do effective? Is it according to the guidelines? Is it at the top of scientific knowledge at the time? Does it help patients the way you intended? These are all questions that are super important in that context. And if all of that can be answered with yes, then you're probably on a good track. So I think... For us, this is just something that we measure ourselves on. And what I also like working here in our health is that when you're building something like this, I think it's only possible in the context of a company of, you know, of course I say that, but smart people that are eager to really bring products that work for the patients. We have to prove ourselves all the time. Obviously, we have to get things working for the actual users. We get constant feedbacks from the therapy teams, from the patients. And we really need to build something that works. And if we would just be a scientific unit, we wouldn't have this constant real world feedback, basically. And this is what I like about that. And this is also something that gives you from an ethical level, a sense that what you do is the right path because you see the immediate effect it has on the therapy, on the progress of patients and the way clinics tell you how they can really streamline the processes, giving patients more effective therapy time. So of course there are ethical challenges, but if you stick to the scientific data and you see the outcomes, then I think this is quite a good guidance. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And with you guys doing your due diligence here and making sure that you're starting everything from scratch and not taking anything for granted, it's really making sure that you're not getting anywhere close to these ethical dilemmas. So absolutely. I like that you had these sort of key questions, you know, that you ask yourself. I think that's a really good process to follow, you know, to make sure that you're always Mm -hmm. on top when you're looking at different things, different things that you're using. And since AMBOSS started in Germany, I'm assuming you used AMBOSS in medical school as well. Is that right? I got to know it when I did internships in Germany because there it was a, a big thing for the, they have like this huge exam, this Hammer exam, where they had like this clear study protocols in AMBOSS. So I got to know it there. And then I kind of brought it with me to Austria because I just looked up everything there when I was studying myself. But over the years, it became very familiar in Austria, also with the students here and also in the clinics. Yeah, yeah. I really like the similarities between a digital startup like 
Naira Health, and a digital medical education platform like Amboss. A lot of our values are the same. You know, the personalized recommendations, valuing people and making them better on their own just for the sake of growing and becoming better. I think it's really great the way that these could both exist in this digital ecosystem, making healthcare better. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just two examples of how digitalization can help improve processes of the way medicine was done. So yeah, I, I, re I really like it. And it's more and more common in, in Austrian clinics. I know that my former boss, he specifically asked for a license for us. So I think this improves the decision-making in the clinic. All right. That brings us to our last question. Finally, if you could give our listeners any advice beyond the textbook, what would you say? Well, I would, of course, advise listeners that you should always be open for current developments, for what is actually helpful at the time. Because what you learn in med school, your textbooks, they often lag behind the rapid pace of innovation. And as a doctor, you have to be ready to adapt to new advancements and just let them in into your practice. So it's always about finding the balance between relying on established medical knowledge and being open to new developments. So this is probably the advice that I would give myself. I think that's really good advice and something that sometimes can be difficult, right? Just getting used to new things, even though we're aware that things are constantly changing. It's okay to embrace new things. It doesn't mean you have to give up everything that you do, but making small changes here and there. Absolutely. I mean, especially in medicine, it's correct that you can always say, this is the way we did this for the last, I don't know, how many years. So it's very hard to get just a feeling that innovation can even improve these walked paths already. And I think to have an open mind for that, that is just helpful, not only in medicine, of course, but especially in medicine. Yeah, I think this is really great advice because to me, you can take it so many different ways, like not only having an open mind to try new things, but also having humility to see how you might be wrong or there might be a better way of doing things. And it's not judgment on you, but, you know, things do improve. And with that, our mindsets have to improve and our way of doing things have to improve. And then having a growth mindset and seeing how it's a learning opportunity, you know, looking at every setback as a growth opportunity or as a learning opportunity, that's really the key to getting better at anything. So I think this is really, really great advice. And it's so applicable in all these situations. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Philip, thank you so much for providing your insightful answers and advice. It's been an absolute pleasure exploring the world of digital healthcare, startups, and medical education with you. Thanks, guys. Uh, it was great uh, talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much, Philip. It was really lovely to have you. And for our listeners, we hope this conversation empowers you to navigate your own journey in medicine. And now let's get back to that Amboss question bank question of the day. Your key info was the patient not seeming to understand simple questions. He spoke fluently, but he answered questions with nonsensical phrases and he could not repeat single words. Your attending tip is the sudden onset of right-sided body weakness in conjunction with meaningless speech and impaired comprehension should raise concern for a cerebral lesion located in the posterior part of the left superior temporal gyrus, that is, occlusion of the left middle cerebral artery. With this information, you should have selected answer option E.
Wernicke aphasia. You can read up more about this and all types of aphasia in the AMBOSS platform, specifically in the neurological examination article. And your related medical fact is that those suffering from Wernicke aphasia, also known as sensory aphasia or receptive aphasia, are unaware of their nonsensical speech, which can be very frustrating for these patients. And your book recommendation of the week is Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg from 2016. This is an engaging read, artfully blending scientific discoveries with real-world stories to unlock the secrets of productivity and demonstrating how we can transform the way we approach our lives and work to become smarter, faster, and ultimately better. And that's it for this episode of the AMBOSS Podcast. I'm Dr. Tanner Schrank. And I'm Sophie Neal. And this has been Beyond the Textbook. The links in the description can give you a more in-depth understanding of these concepts. If you like this episode, please give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check out the AMBOSS platform for your medical studies and sign up for a free five-day trial at amboss.com.